Welcome to Fuel Disclosure, a Moffitt Services podcast. On this show, you will learn how Moffitt Services is pioneering the fuel delivery industry. From fuels and lubricant product news, to stories from the community, to recent industry trends with subject matter experts. Make sure to like and subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a moment from Moffitt. To learn even more about the Moffitt Services difference, visit MoffittServices.com. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fuel Disclosure, a Moffitt Services podcast. Today is an especially special day because we have some of the Moffitt VIPs with us, and we are going to be talking about what we do during disaster relief. So we have a few people um, on the team, and I'll just go ahead and let them introduce themselves. First off, we're going to start with Peyton. Peyton Hughes. I help uh, with the operations for RMI which is our disaster and uh, environmental resources. Perfect. Rusty? Uh, I was Rusty Moffitt. Um, my main role is president and head of all operations for all Moffitt companies. I uh, take care mostly on overseeing each individual branch's operations as well as their storm operations. And then Charlie? And I'm Charlie Caswell. I'm a part owner of the transportation and logistics business that Rusty and I have. And I've uh, been working storms for 20 plus years, so quite familiar with uh, a lot of the operations on all uh, pieces of the business. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And then today I just want to get started with when a disaster happens, kind of walk me through like what the process is. Do you drop everything and go? How do you decide that you are going to go and be on a storm? And then when you do go, Tell me kind of what that look like, looks like and what happens during that. You can all kind of just butt in. And uh, well, usually we're watching weather models and keeping our eyes on weather way, way in advance of it even coming as public national news. So we'll be keyed in on various independent models from different meteorologists as well. And then when it comes to fruition and things actually start materializing and starts coming on national news, weather channel, we keep an eye on impact areas, potential, and we'll actually go ahead and mobilize typically three days in advance just depending on where it is in the country. The East Coast, we're going to leave three, four days in advance, and we'll get staged outside the region. So we have at least our initial arsenal of equipment to be frontline, ready to go in prior to the event happening for initial top-offs on generators, things like that. And then as soon as the storm makes landfall, we're not, we're not but an hour outside of the region where the impacts are going to be. Nice. And so how many people do you take to the storms, Is and how much equipment? How much, how much does this take when you, when you go out and you go? We, we scale it based off of the, uh, the region we're going to. So if it's going to be in the middle of nowhere, South Texas, something hits between South Padre and Corpus Christi, you're, you're talking about the King Ranch. So we're, gonna, we're not even going to leave on that one. We're going to send stuff out of Houston location, whereas in Florida's instance this last year, its initial impacts were looking like Tampa. And we rolled out with – the, the largest mobilization we've ever had in our life, just considering a Category 4, potential Category 5 hurricane going to be hitting Tampa, which has not happened since we've been doing this. And it would have been some major impact. So we came in there with way more than we ever would. So we basically scale it on the predicted landfall, the population of that area, how commercial the, re the region is. And that's kind of how we scale the initial wave and mobilization. And then a rough estimate, how many storms do you think you guys have worked? And how many years has this been going on? It's been going on before I was born, but um, I've been working storms 21 years since Tropical Storm Allison in Houston. 
So worked pretty much every name storm and also regional flood events, freeze events, fires, things like that across the country since 2001. And then can you each tell me what services each one of you are in charge of? Are you the manager of different things? What services did each one of your sister companies provide during storm disaster relief? Go with Charlie. Start with our transportation side. Well, yeah, we uh, we start off, we haul all the equipment uh, or mobilize and assist uh, both Moffitt Services and RMI um, on the initial stage. So as we're going out to the various regions, uh, we have fuel cubes, we'll have dumpsters, we'll have um, miscellaneous equipment, connexes, things that are needed on the initial wave as we go. Um, upon arrival, uh, we try to get these trucks offloaded uh, and staged into a Walmart parking lot, Walmart parking lot, or wherever we can really find uh, as a more permanent solution uh, based on the storm. But the uh, you know once we get staged, we try to get the equipment off of our trucks and you know off of our trailers as fast as possible, get them to a yard, and then we start utilizing our assets to work for our customers, uh, moving generators and drying equipment and different types of necessities that they might need. Um, I also dispatch dumpsters. I will go out and uh, offload trucks. So, I mean, wherever the need is, we, we pretty much always fill in uh, with they, they, every storm's different and there's always a different need based on every storm. So that's kind of my average typical start on a storm. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's been very helpful over the years having the transportation Moffat Caswell business because we move a lot of equipment in a very short period of time and having those additional assets from the Moffat Caswell Southern trucking side is extremely valuable. We don't have to deal with outside haulers that literally start a clock and hit, hit our time. The second we hit, we hit the location that's delivered. We don't know where we're going to be delivering to. So mm -hmm. equipment and loads and bulk tanks and everything will stay on the back of these trucks for multiple days until we literally find a place to set it. Most of your typical freight companies won't do that. So owning the heavy haul and the trucking business is, really assisted us in the initial mobilization of these events. And then once we're able to get mobilized, set up, and stationary at a location, Moffat Cows was able to go to work for our existing customers as well. We yeah. do generators, like Charlie was saying, we, we haul generators, we haul drying equipment, we haul any supply trailers, uh, mobile warehouses for restoration contractors, and set these on locations, whether it be their, their staging yards or directly moving these to job sites and also doing setup, teardown, and relocating to other job sites. So as soon as they're freed up in the initial mobilization for assisting, bringing assets for Moffitt Services, RMI, Moffitt Cows is immediately able to go back to work assisting customers setting jobs. And you say multiple locations, so you can go to any storm nationwide or mm -hmm. even any, anywhere around the well, world? Multiple, yeah. yeah. Well, so we cover we cover all 48 continental the United States on the transportation side between brokerage and our own assets. If it's If it's a large event, large storm, we're going to send all of our own assets. If it's a small isolated event, we're going to handle this through our Moffitt Services Brokerage Department, MCST Logistics, which is the brokerage on our trucking business. Um, we also have brokerage on our site services work, which is dumpsters, toilets, um, temp fencing, as well as uh, haul-off disposal and water extraction is, is typically what we do on the brokerage side on the RMI. Um, it gets a little more intricate when we bring our own assets, and we, we do quite a bit more services as far as our own assets in the field during a disaster. Nice. But any multiple locations I was discussing is, is within a storm region. So we've got one customer that needs 50 jobs set, and they've got 400 generators across those jobs. Moffat Cas will come in. They'll load their own trucks. They'll 
take the equipment to offload their own trucks as well as set, set equipment around alley buildings and losses that have taken on water damage, wind damage, missing roofs, whatever, whatever may have happened to that structure. Mava Casual will come in and set up equipment all around the facility for our clients. Yeah, so that's one of the good things. Our drivers are also operators, right? So oh, okay. they can operate the equipment. They can help stage the jobs for the customers. That way when they show up, they're pretty much just piecing the gear together, hooking it up. And, you know, that's there's a value-added service there for our customers, whereas a typical uh, truck driver, typical uh, owner-operator is not going to be able to operate equipment they're not going to be able to handle the the uh picking and assisting of the the needs that the customers have so yeah and so with all these different multiple job sites and locations i'm imagining after a national natural disaster it takes a lot of time so how long are you guys there for typically Mm, well we got we got to florida late september we're still there we'll probably be there this coming september at some capacity um lake charles for example was a year and a half almost two years um hurricane ike was nearly two years for our final jobs to end up wrapping up it, it just varies on the region uh some some of these losses will go on mayfield kentucky this past year as tornado we were there for two weeks three weeks in and out and we were completely done with the project it, it just all depends on what was impacted how widespread it is what what, what level of restoration needs to take place it, it all kind of warrants how long we're going to be there Kind of switching gears a little bit, can you each speak to one day or storm or moment during during your time where you've had to leave your home, leave your family, and be gone for a long period of time that stands out to you the most? Yeah, for me, it was a uh, first major storm was uh, Lake Charles. And uh, we had just been in uh, Iowa, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, hanging out up there. They had a derecha that came through and knocked out a bunch of stuff. So we had some dumpsters and toilets up there working and then uh immediately left there came straight down to lake charles started uh working hurricane laura and that um peyton thought iowa was a big storm yeah yeah and we was, just told it him it was just wait till you wait till you see a real storm and he thought that was that was a big one he was stressed he was busy first time on the road and oh my god i see what you guys do now so yeah, yeah. no then this it, isn't even a sample yeah then it just got it it just uh magnified about, about i don't know 150 times um, and so that was, uh, again, a trial by fire, getting yeah. thrown in, um, starting to learn, see different different sides of it, you know, the expectations, the understanding, the communication that had to take place, not only with the customers, but also with uh, all the different drivers, all the different um, moving parts, you know, with Charlie and his team bringing in equipment, us getting it offloaded on the yard, turn around, getting it shipped back out to the customers, um, making sure that they were handled and those kind of pieces. And so that was... Um, you know, that was a, a lot of fun. It was a lot, a lot of learning, um, you know, a lot of falling on your face and getting picked back up by one of your other teammates to go, come on, we got to keep going. We got more to do. We got more to do. And so, yeah. um, you know, that was um, definitely eye-opening. And then I was like, man, I don't know how you guys did this. And then all of a sudden, then you start fiending for it. It's like a, um, it's that a, adrenaline rush that you're like, oh, my gosh, we got to go. We got to go. When, when's the next one happening? Okay. And so it's yeah. one of those where you kind of get, you know, we – we all live together. We work together. We hang out together. Those kind of things. We eat. Uh, we eat together. And so it's, you know, you build that camaraderie. It's that fraternity. It's that brotherhood that you have too. Um, you know, we know each one of us has got each other's back. If we're struggling with this or we're struggling with that or we need help here, you know, doesn't matter what your role is or what your job title is. People are jumping in and making making it happen because at the end of the day, we got to make sure that the customers are taken care of. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. And I can probably piggyback on that a little bit with what Peyton was saying. Prior to, uh, to the 2020 Laura, which was the hurricane name that Peyton was referring to, kind of his first storm that he came in on. If I'm not mistaken, I think you showed up a couple of days behind the storm actually making landfall. Well, we had already mobilized uh, on the, <laughs> for some reason, the dirty side of the storm near Lafayette and we realized that we were probably probably a little close too close to to for comfort right so we had too close to be in a camper (laughs) too close to being in a camper (laughs) with tornadoes and 100 plus mile an hour winds we're like we got to go further east so we traveled to uh, Baton Rouge and we hunkered down in the hotel uh, casino parking lot at uh, LaBerge and Baton Rouge Rouge. so we were uh, a couple hundred miles away or or 150 miles away from where the the eye was going to make landfall so we knew we were probably okay there but when we saw that it was tracking towards Lake Charles, none of us had a even a understanding of what Lake Charles consisted of, how big of an impact it might have been, right? Mm-hmm. So as we're driving in, yeah, there were there were some, you know, you got within 10, 15 miles of, of the city of Lake Charles and you start to see uh, power lines down and box trailers flipped over and campers on its side. But the, the real impact was when we pulled up and we saw just glass from buildings just shattered everywhere. And this is just smoke and fire coming from the power plant or chemical plant right across the bridge. Emergency alerts coming across your phone, and we're literally rolling in and mobilizing as the, as the wind's still blowing. I mean, the storm and literally the eye had just passed over this city within two to three hours prior to this. Um, you know, water uh, shortages or water uh, water bans were already in place at that point because of the fire that was going on at the power plant. So, I mean. You just never have an idea of the impact uh, of what these events do until you actually are on the ground. And then, like what Peyton said, we've just all hands on deck. Everybody's moving in different directions and mm-hmm. uh, just kind of reacting, right? Because emails are popping, phones are blowing up. Um, it, it's go time. And that same day we're driving in, we had a hospital contact us on potable water to to, power, to provide water to the entire hospital. You don't really think what all goes into providing water to the hospital once they're cut off from city water, whether it be a power outage at a treatment center or just contamination because yeah. of a flooded uh, water treatment plant. It, it's all different barriers. Or you have a lot of line breaks because of damaged homes or washouts. So you'll have too low a pressure. There's a lot of different reasons why they'll pull off of city water and have to go on outside water sources. And uh, as we're pulling in, we, were, we weren't even really able to to stop long enough to get a get a camper set up to start working out of and we're already heading to christus hospital and within about 24 hours we're, we're supporting 100 percent of the water needs at close to 300,000 gallons a day wow uh consumption on the hospital you, you think about like a express hotel you might go through four six thousand gallons a day hospitals they have to keep their ac going it's not the same they're using chilling towers they're those mm-hmm. cooling towers are going to utilize hundreds of thousands of gallons a day so it was it was it's kind of been a learning curve on, on, on the pressurizing and providing water to the entire facility, um, especially with hospitals. Uh, the, the usage goes considerably higher. We've got to have 30-plus water transports bringing water from outside the region to that hospital, and that was the very first call we got. It was the only still-populated hospital in. Well, there's two hospitals in Lake Charles that were actually populated with with um, patients at the time, and 
we, we were providing water to 100% of one of them. Yeah, so I feel like there's, you know, another another side of this, like also an element where you can give back to the community and help others. So in particular, does one moment where you, you gave back to the community that you were at, where the disaster struck, that sticks out to you? That either RMI, Moffitt Services, or Moffitt Caswell provided some type of service for the community just to help them through this really difficult time, other than all of the services you provide already? Yeah, I think back to uh, last year in uh, Hurricane Ida in uh, New Orleans, Homa, Golden Meadow, that area. Um, some of our people back home were like, "What? Well, you know, we're they're here, they're here in Houston working, and they're like, what can we do to help support? We know that the other guys mm-hmm. are in the field making sure, getting things back together. And so they um, got together a dry van, uh, which is a, you know, tractor trailer, and just started loading it and started telling people and we put it on you know facebook and just different news channels and talked to our friends about it and people just started giving and yeah. so it was a bunch of different stuff that you get that we all collected and yeah i mean from mops to cleaning supplies to you know toys and formula, diapers, diapers, and, yeah, diapers formula, yeah and a lot of stuff for the community so we were able to fill this entire box van up in a four or five day period right. and we had one of our guys just haul it over and drop it off at one of the community centers they received it. They, it, it was, it was probably one of the greatest things to see. Right, whenever the first yeah. signs of supply and the, you know big, just relief to the to the community. You know, we took it straight to Golden Meadows, and uh, they were super thankful. And it was just a bunch of tears and and you know sometimes it was it, it was first time some people smiled. You know because it's mm. you know it's of the devastation they were feeling. So it was it was yeah that was a great example there. Okay, well, to end it off, um, I want each of you to say one word or adjective that describes how your company has helped during disaster relief and just all together close off in what storm and disaster relief means to each one of you. One word. One word. One word, huh? Meeting the needs of our customer at all costs. Uh, We'll do anything and everything we can in our power. Um, If you look at our entire range of services, it's not just fuel. It's not just hauling equipment. It's not just toilets and dumpsters or environmental cleanup there, there's a lot more that goes into it and, and, and it's been custom tailored around the needs of our customer we've we've continually from when we were just a fuel provider custom tailor our services to fit this specific customer's base needs mm-hmm. same way we've done with our core business with contractors in houston or any of our oil field locations in west texas we've always custom tailored to fit their need find out the customer's biggest pain point find out where they're having the biggest problems and fill in that need eliminating the issues that we've ever had in the past. Um, before we started chasing storms and or traveling on storms in 2001, before we ever moved and went out just the stories you'd hear about the way they'd be serviced in these events. And no one ever thinks about the amount of fuel, the amount of equipment it takes to get these communities back up and operational. Mm-hmm. And we really just kind of gravitated towards that because we are a service sensitive company. It's so that's a lot more than one word, right? right. But um, <laughs> closing statement. But I, yeah, I think it goes into availability. Right, because you, you've you've listened to your customer base, mm-hmm. you've seen the pain, the pressure points, pain points for them, and you're just available. You're available to go out and start a new business. You're available to go get the equipment, and you're available to get on site and take care of the issue at hand. What does that look like? You know, it's it's, it's all of the pieces that come together to make it as seamless you know our job is to get the company the community back up and running as quickly and as efficiently as possible Mm -hmm. 
Some people like put this business as like, oh, they, they try and overcomplicate it or oh, that we don't do that. We don't work on weekends. We don't do this. That's just never been our vocabulary. We will do anything and everything we have to do to make sure our customers are serviced. And, and, and we always, you know, from the outside looking in, you look at how busy, how crazy it is, how much work it actually is mm-hmm. in a short period of time and how, you know, you think it's a lot of hard work. I had a friend of mine tell me one time, this business is easy. What you have to do to make it happen isn't as easy, but the business is really easy. All you got to do is respond, answer your phone, and perform. There's only two things you have to do. Answer your phone and perform. Answer that email, perform. Text messages, however those orders come in, however those requests come in, just answer and be available and perform. That's, that's all. You look at it that way, it actually is a pretty easy business, right? It's just, <laughs> do, just do what they tell so you to easy. do. what they tell you to do. Or what okay. they ask you to do, right? Yep. Hey, I, need, I need 10 loads of gravel to stabilize this yard. Yes, sir. Right? Yeah. I mean, okay. it's not something that we do on a daily basis, but if we get that request... You know, not only are we going to de- deliver it, but we're also going to send a skid steer over there. We're going to send an operator. We're going to smooth it out for them. We're going to pack it. We're going to, you know, see how it works. If we need to bring in more, cool. Help you our know? customers set up their own laydown facilities. Right. You know, so it's not just, it, it doesn't just end with our core business. There's always additional requests. And with those requests, there's opportunity. So that's really cool. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate each and every one of your time. I know it's a really busy busy season so thank you so much and i appreciate learning more about how you guys all support disaster relief it's awesome it's great i'm really excited for everyone to hear a little bit more about it and yeah thank you thank you thanks Thanks for tuning in to another episode of fuel disclosure a moffitt services podcast we hope you enjoyed today's episode please be sure to like and subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a moment from moffitt And if you're ready to take your business to the next level with a team that delivers industry-leading service and no downtime, visit us at moffettservices.com.